you tuned into the wacky skimpy and dippy morning just kidding guys time to get pumped up we got bench press brad and caffeinated carly you tuned in to what's up Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to the What's Up podcast with John and Carly, brought to you by Best Price Nutrition. You can find us on the web at bestpricenutrition.com, and also, don't forget to check out our YouTube channel, Best Price Nutrition, for supplement news and reviews, and you can find us on all major social media platforms. Today, we have on Rob Seaman, the man behind the food movement, a supplement line that began back in 2011 in a small natural food store in Lake County, Illinois. The brand has supplements in a variety of categories, but focuses on minerals and overall wellness supplements. Rob has worked in the health food and wellness business for over 20 years and is on a mission to make not only people healthier, but the planet healthier. Rob has worked in the industry in sales, marketing, and product development, and is currently working on his brand, a brand that we carry called The Food Movement. Um, Rob also hosts his own podcast called Whole Earth Radio and runs the Botanical Nutrition blog, and they are both awesome. Please go check those out. Rob, welcome and thank you for joining us on the What's Up podcast. Why don't we have you kind of introduce yourself in your own words and tell us what you do? Okay, yeah. Um, So for the past 20 years, Whole Earth Marketing has been uh, a company representing um, the top, top shelf nutritional supplements in the industry and we work directly with health food stores and with the manufacturers so we're uh, whole earth marketing is like a conduit between those two types of businesses you know we work as a liaison between the health food store and the manufacturer particularly here in uh, the midwest and we represent some some great companies and uh, as a third party it's given us a great position i think to to educate and to talk about supplements sometimes uh, often outside of the realm of marketing. You know, companies generate their own marketing. They have the way that they want to present the brand and to have someone who's a representative of the company and and come in and talk about. So it's, it's not just sales, but really a lot more education than your typical sales position. So more in-depth blog posts, um, type things, informative, so the user or the consumer can really get a gist of health as a whole? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, I've, I've done a couple of things. I've got a podcast called Whole Earth Radio. Uh, I've got my own blog, Botanical Nutrition. But then all of the companies that we work with have their own content. So Whole Earth Marketing is really a third party and it gives us a nice position to sometimes when it's you know convenient to be able to speak generally kind of like i think we we will here today talking about mushrooms you know if you wanted to find a really great mushroom product um you know i would recommend host defense mushrooms it's you know the best brand out there if you want to learn their company's perspective per se i actually just interviewed the national educator jerry angelini from host defense for my podcast and that might be somebody you guys want to have on in the future you know if you want to do just like a host defense conversation but you know i'm able to speak more generally um and i work with a variety of companies so when we're talking about health i have a whole lot of different um, resources to draw from including just my own and, and the manufacturers we work with 
And you rub a, a little bit on your background. So I saw on so the the food movement that that's your brand. So the food movement uh, is a company that I'm a partner in that I actually um, helped start about ten years ago. And I saw you guys are right around the corner from us. Or the, it started in uh, what is it, Lake County? Yeah, at at that time, a little more than ten years ago, I guess at this point. But I was a partner in a uh, independent health food store up in Lake County, up in Gurnee. You know, I can, I can just go ahead and say the name Earthly Goods up there. But um, so while I was doing that and also running Whole Earth Marketing, you know, it was kind of an interesting evolution. But the food movement became a brand back then with the idea of producing plant-based supplements and superfoods. And um, over time, it has really turned to, to focus a lot on humic fulvic minerals. And, you know, I, I was actually going to ask, like, how did you get your your focus on that? You know, I know... With a lot of our customer base, they're into, you know, pre-workouts and sports nutrition supplements, which which are great and all. But I, I was talking to Carly about this a little bit earlier. I said, you know, if your overall health was in tip-top shape, maybe you wouldn't need that 300 milligrams of caffeine to, to get into the workout. So I know to some people, you know, sometimes the minerals and vitamins are, are a little bit less sexy or they don't have the, the crazy flavors coming out all the time. But I mean, that's really kind of the foundation of, of health and really even performance for for athletes and things like that. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that, you know, in any modality or any perspective on health, you want things that are effective and you want things that are effective with the lowest dose possible to my mind, because the the more you take of something, even if it's natural, the more you risk potential side effects. Caffeine is a great case in point. That's natural, right? But if you, you take 300 milligrams of uh, anhydrous caffeine, <laughs> you may have some side effects. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I, my approach and my philosophy has always been natural. And that's the way I was trained and natural in terms of traditional use. So from my perspective, I would prefer to drink coffee or uh, even yerba mate tea or something as a caffeine source rather than, um, you know, just like a pharmaceutical caffeine, because you have arguably less side effects when you do it the the plant-based traditional way, you know, even just with coffee. But with the minerals, um, it's a great point that they are now coming to the forefront in fitness and in, and in you know, like bodybuilding. And that's kind of been going on for a while where, you know, a lot of folks in that realm, uh, Brian Sakai is somebody that, that uh, 10 years ago was talking about humic acid and humic minerals, Sheila Jeet, lots of mineral compounds like that for particularly for bodybuilding. And so it's interesting that it's sort of coming full circle now where I see more companies in that realm, you know, in, including those kind of ingredients, including fulvic minerals and realizing that, like you say, it may not be the sexiest ingredient or ingredients and it may not, you know, it, it actually does uh, have some effect on testosterone. So, you know, if, if you're looking at those kind of goals, increasing strength gains and that kind of thing. I think you absolutely should be looking at, at fulvic minerals. You know, it's funny. I think uh, bucked up a, a pre-workout that we carry. I, I believe they started adding uh, fulvic acid to one of their uh, kind of special edition pre-workouts, but you know, you actually just kind of led into to one of the things that uh, we were kind of talking about before we, we hopped on with you, which uh, I was listening to a podcast last night and there was some talk about how a lot of people are uh, de- deficient in trace minerals but then they also kind of got into the topic of testosterone levels, which seems to be kind of a buzzword and a hot topic. And I think they covered some article about, you know, 
how testosterone levels are dropping amongst, you know, young men these days. And a lot of, you know, younger guys have the testosterone levels of 70 year old men and things like that. And so I was curious to hear from you how that does kind of play a role. Um, I know you're kind of into, you know, organic and natural foods and things like that as well. So I know, you know, plastics and processed foods, and I assume maybe uh, lacking in trace minerals, but how, do, how does that all play into uh, test levels? Well, I think the, the body that functions best is the body that's in balance. So whatever your goals are, if you're supporting the health of the whole body, you will be more likely to achieve those goals. We're talking, you know, physical goals. Uh, well, but to some extent, mental goals are physical goals too, right? Like a healthy person also has a healthy mind. So, but you know, if I were to just take a testosterone precursor, so let's say, um, I don't know how many of them are, are on the market these days, you know, they've kind of gone through a lot of cycles with what they're allowing on the market, right? But let's just say you take a chemical precursor to testosterone and you increase the body's level of testosterone. Well, bodybuilders will tell you there are a lot of side effects that are, you know, not the least of which is um, uh, aromatization, you know, that testosterone turning into estrogen. And there's a side effect that uh, you don't want is, is gynomastia, right? And that's just an example, I think, of putting the body purposefully out of balance versus trying to achieve your goals, but still keep the body in balance. But even just within the spectrum of achieving those goals, something like trace minerals, they are the natural uh, electrolytes. So they're conducting energy, electricity throughout the body. That's going to make everything in your body work better. So, you know, when you increase something like testosterone, you still need to have it work throughout the body. You need to have the cells of the body uh, receive it and, and respond to it and the muscles the tissues just all throughout the body. And then you need the liver to, you know, get rid of it <laughs> once you're done, once you, you know, you don't want it to um, metabolize in some way that would cause some sort of side effect. So all that I think comes from having a body that's, that's more in balance from looking at supplementation that supports the, the whole person. I was curious going off of what John said about our customer base specifically um, that are more into the athletic performance products like proteins and pre-workouts. Um, what mushroom product or form of mushroom would you recommend for somebody just kind of getting into it or a bodybuilder type? If I had to pick one, it would probably be cordyceps. I think Cordyceps has the greatest reputation, although there, there's so many phenomenal ones, you know, the Joe Rogan podcast with Paul Stamets, where they talked about lion's mane, right? That, that sent lion's mane through the roof. But if I had to pick one for um, physical performance, it would be cordyceps because um, there was a story that came out. It's been a number of years, but there were a, a group of Chinese runners and they were winning all these medals. They were winning all these races. And, you know, the reporters said, well, what are you doing? What, what is part of your regimen that, that you can share with us? And they said, oh, it's this caterpillar mushroom, which at that time, I mean, we're going back like 20 years plus, was not well known in the United States, but it's cordyceps. And cordyceps increases or can increase the ability of the alveoli in the lungs to intake oxygen. So if I take caffeine, that can be a bronchiodilator that could get some, you know, blood flowing, get some oxygen into the bloodstream, but uh, something that increases the ability of the lungs to take in oxygen, that's really unique. That's, that's, you don't find that in Western medicine. 
And um, cordyceps mushroom is one of those things that I talk to so many people, whether their goals are just stamina, you know, uh, endurance, you know, whatever your physical goals are, having more oxygen in your bloodstream is just going to make a huge difference. No, uh, I wanted to dive into to some of your products and the product line and, and kind of, you know, how you kind of decided on these products and any other areas you kind of wanted to expand into. But kind of going off of the mushrooms, I, I did notice that you guys carry a, a vitamin D and uh, I've kind of started getting into mushrooms a little bit more myself recently. And I know there's some antiviral mushrooms out there. So I, I know we got to be careful about not making any claims or anything like that. But in terms of putting your body in the best shape for, you know, this whole COVID situation going on as well as, you know, flu season and everything else. The, the respiratory uh, thing with cordyceps sounds interesting, but any other mushrooms uh, for either immune defense, um, you know, respiratory health, like anything kind of noteworthy? Yeah. I mean, like I, you know, make no secret about it. the mushrooms that I take, you know, are, are from host defense and Paul Stamets company host defense. I mean, that's what I personally take. I make no health claims about them. You know, I'm not here saying, that, that anyone should take them because, you know, as you alluded to, we have to be careful with the FDA and Deshay. But um, I can tell you mycommunity by host defense is formulated specifically for immune function and um, the Stamet 7 formula as well. Those are blends of mushrooms specifically, you know, we can safely say those are formulated based on science to support the structure and function of the immune system. And if you delve a little deeper and you look into the research, you're like, wow, this is really compelling. There really is a lot of research here. This isn't just some new thing. When you get into traditional Chinese medicine, you have thousands of years of traditional usage and then modern scientific validation of that. Over in Asia, they're blowing us away. Mainstream medicine uh, in a lot of Asian countries is using mushrooms are using herbs to treat disease over here. You know, it's, it's not something we can do. It's not something we can talk about because of the politics, the economics, and that's all I'll really say about that. But um, mushrooms are a great everyday tonic, you know, beneficial mushrooms to support health in general. And I think that's, that's really the way to go for me, instead of trying to find what is this one antiviral, you know, um, people are pounding this one supplement, you know, again, thinking about the health of the whole body, if, you know, I like to say drugs have side effects and natural compounds tend to have side benefits, particularly because, you know, you mentioned vitamin D to my mind, best way to make sure that you have uh, adequate blood levels of vitamin D, which are much higher than we originally thought would be to start off taking a supplement and and having your blood levels checked. Now you're gonna get some vitamin D from the sun, you're gonna get some vitamin D from food. Mushrooms are a great example, but I would not depend on any mushroom supplement to give you enough vitamin D because you know they're really micro amounts in there. So it's like a food, you know, mushrooms are food. And so if I'm eating shiitake mushrooms in my meal, I'm getting some D2 and possibly even some D3, but I'm not going to get, you know, 5,000 IUs that, that I take in a supplement every day. And you know what, with, uh, with the mushrooms, I know there's, uh, we're starting to see, are, are you familiar with Pico too? Uh, we're starting to see like a lot of like mushroom blends being put into uh, pre-workouts and kind of more sports performance uh, products. Are you familiar with that Pico too? I don't know that product, but I 
I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, there are very few substances I can think of as dynamic as beneficial mushrooms. And if, if you're taking cordyceps, we talked about the things that it could do for the, you know, the lungs and, and, but it's also supporting immune health and it, and to some extent brain health, you know, so all of these things, you know, are, are pretty broad spectrum. So it makes a lot of sense to me that someone would put that into a pre-workout, whether, you know, it's a formulation or somebody's just adding it into their, into their regimen. Because one of those things, if you're worried about staying well, you want to support your immune system, but you're also trying to make some strength gains, right? So you got multiple goals there. Mushrooms are a great way, beneficial mushrooms and mycelia, I should throw in because, um, you know, what I take are the freeze-dried mycelia and that's what, you know, host defense makes. And it, it's, um, the analogy is like, um, if, if a plant is a fully developed thing, but you can take the sprouts, you know, like alfalfa sprouts or broccoli sprouts, the mushroom mycelia is like the sprout of the mushroom. And so when you freeze dry that, you have just this really packed bioactive uh, mass with all these, you know, micronutrients. And uh, yeah, pre-workout, I mean, I think everybody should be taking beneficial mushrooms. I mean, it's, it's a great daily supplement, really. So there are so many different types of mushrooms. Can you kind of break those down for us and kind of what each of their strong suits are? What differentiates them? Well, I mean, I, to me, I think I always try to go to the experts, you know, so like with, I do defer to formulation, you know, and, and again, like with the host defense mushrooms, you know, having the breathe formula, for example, is a respiratory support formula. Um, their mycommunity is a, um, is an immune formula, but you know, I sometimes take reishi mushroom, which is, could be, you know, in a respiratory formula or an immune formula, you know, reishi mushroom, they used to call it in ancient China, they would call it the mushroom of immortality. So that is, <laughs> I don't know where that fits in to, um, to compliance, right? Is immortality <laughs> supporting, you know, the structure and function, but, um, on, in the host defense world, you know, they have things broken up into, you can actually go to their website, hostdefense.com, and they have categories. They have energy and exercise, mind and memory, uh, longevity, relax and recharge, immune and protection and detox and digestion. And I hear these little tidbits all the time that I think are just really, you know, um, uh, Tom Dadat, who educates for host defense and used to be with Planetary Herbals, you know, he was uh, doing a talk and talking about chaga mushroom, which people think um, think of as like immune. It's really where it's gotten the most attention. He said, really, there's research that it supports um, any kind of soft tissue or connective tissue. So there's a general benefit and then some specific benefits. Uh, but, you know, if, if I, my goal is immune, I would go with an immune formula. Really, I can think of no better formulations for immunity than host defense, Stamet 7, or Mike Immunity to support the structure and function of, of the immune system. And then something like Reishi, you know, I would suggest that people read a little bit. If you look on the label, if you look at the host defense product, again, it says longevity support which I love. I think that's so general, but it's so, you know, it doesn't say elixir of immortality because the FDA would probably (laughs) 
clamp down on claiming that. But um, if you look at research on life extension, you know, Reishi does all these things or potentially does all these things that that will help us to live longer by supporting all the different systems of the body working together. So it could be heart health. You know, there's definitely studies on Reishi and heart health. I know some practitioners who are allowed to use uh, mushrooms for specific conditions because they're practicing medicine. And they've told me, you know, that they will use Reishi. I've had practitioners tell me they use Reishi to get patients off of prednisone. So that's not something I can say or host defense can say. But when I hear that from a doctor, I find it just really reaffirming the power of these beneficial mushrooms. You know, it's funny when you talk about the uh, the mushroom of immor- immortality, it makes it reminds me of uh, black seed oil. That's one I've been researching recently. And it's like p- people kind of jokingly say that it's it's a fix for everything, including gunshot wounds. So yeah, black <laughs> seed oil seems to be one of those uh, uh, type of things as well. I love black seed oil. And I think one of the main things that that does, and this gets into the bigger picture, you know, whole body kind of approach, but the microbiome, you know, so many people are walking around and they've been eating a terrible diet and they've been stressed out and they, they know their digestion isn't right. You know, they they can just feel it. It isn't functioning right. And that's because the microbiome inside is out of balance. So you can take something out of whack like that with, you know, a, a GI system that's out of whack and start throwing probiotics in there. But if you've got kind of like subclinical stuff going on, you know, like um, it's not really going to be as effective. Something like black seed oil is, you know, a food. I mean, that's been like that uh, black cumin seed, right? It's been consumed in food as a spice and things traditionally for many, many years. People start supplementing it here in the United States and it starts uh, normalizing their microbiome, right? So they've, maybe they've had this out of whack condition and they start taking black seed oil and it just, yeah, it could be in that sense. I mean, I think if you're positively affecting the microbiome, which is where so much of this happens from lymph production, serotonin production, all these things are happening in the gut. You know, it's not just breaking down the Big Mac you just ate, you know? And so when we take something like black seed oil, I don't find it surprising that people see it as a potential panacea because um, I feel that way about, you know, probiotics and, and digestive enzymes because, you know, if, if your GI tract is not functioning right, there's so many other things in the body that will just not function right. And, and you know, getting into uh, so, some of your product line, I know we carry the uh, the whole earth zeolite, we carry the uh, the silver, the fulvic palm, and the trace minerals. But I was looking around your website, and you guys got kind of a lot of uh, a lot of neat products that uh, I was actually encouraging Brad to bring in the alkalize fifty five, um, and I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the body's pH and, and health and things like that. But uh, you, you want to tell us a little bit about your line? I mean, I know you guys got maca, vitamin D, as well as some of the ones I mentioned. I guess kind of what what brought you to to bring in these products and anywhere else you kind of want to go in the future with with other additions to the line? Yeah, that's um, absolutely. So the food movement started out as a superfood company, and you know, as I mentioned, you know, I was part owner of a health food store, working in the industry, having some great connections just from being around a few years. And I said, Hey, you know, let's do, you know, superfoods were, were really starting to take off 10 years ago. They, they have now sort of peaked and, and gone through all these weird iterations. But back then, 
you couldn't find, it was harder to find something just like goji berries, you know, or um, uh, one of the superfoods that we were one of the first companies to bring out was Moringa. So there really wasn't, I mean, we, you could not find Moringa when the food movement came out with it. In fact, I remember ordering some online and um, I think I just went on Amazon and I was just like, Moringa, oh, here's some. And it wasn't <laughs> organic, but I ordered it and it came and it was the worst batch of plant material I've ever. You could just looking at it, you wouldn't consume it. It looked terrible. You know, just visually, you could tell there was no vibrant green and that was what was available. So we started with the food movement making unique superfoods available. Um, over the next few years, you know, superfoods quickly took off. And I started looking for unique opportunities. And, you know, having been in the health food business a long time, what I wanted to bring to the table was things that you don't find every day. You know what, because, you know, superfoods became a me too thing, right? There's so many me too things in our industry. I don't want to be part of that, you know, just cashing in on the latest trend. What can you give people that they don't already have? What's unique that they don't know about? So that became my goal. And because of taking that approach, the food movement was one of the first companies to bring out a plant-based vitamin D, um, which is, very um, important to vegans who don't take animal products at all. So to have a D3 that was derived from lichen, we were one of the very first companies in the United States. Um, it was developed in the UK to have that. And then started looking at formulation and making supplements that are food-based. And you mentioned Alkalize 55. That's a great example of where, for me, what the food movement was able to do you know, because we don't have a million dollar lab, but we can take the ingredients that other folks have developed and formulate unique products. And in the case of Alkalize 55, what we did was take a fermented food blend that was developed by a doctor named uh, Michio Kushi. And he was the, man, he was like the, the premier advocate in the United States in many ways of macrobiotics. So if you, this is going pretty far back, but you know, it's not really a word you hear very often now, but back in the seventies and eighties, like everyone that got into health from a certain perspective was on a macrobiotic diet, which is based on pH balance. It's based on the yin and the yang, eating more alkalizing foods, miso, brown rice, all of these healing foods, a plant-based diet primarily, and I, that was really how I got into all this back in the day. You know, I first kind of got exposed to macrobiotics in, in the 80s and when I was a kid, you know. And, and you know, Rob, can you give a little bit of back? It, it's kind of funny. I just had a buddy mention to me uh, this past weekend. He said he'd been drinking that uh, some type of alkalized water. But uh, and that, that's a topic I've heard about before. I'm not too knowledgeable about. But just kind of the idea is, is the concept that like certain uh, health conditions thrive in a more acidic environment or that our, our body's just more in harmony in a at a certain pH or can you give us just a little bit of background of, of kind of the concept behind that? Sure. Yeah. And um, pH balance is something that is a factor in every system in the body. And macrobiotics was based on looking at it from sort of an Asian philosophy, the yin and the, and the yang and um, applying that to diet. So in the American diet, you know, we eat very acidifying foods. So things that are alkalizing are more whole foods and um, nutrient-rich foods, green foods, 
are well known to be very alkalizing. Um, processed foods tend to be more acidifying. And, you know, there are people who will tell you, even within the natural products industry, that this philosophy is not valid. Uh, looking at pH is not valid. And so, you know, I initially came into this from a more ph philosophical perspective, listening to macrobiotics. They don't, macrobiotics was not based on uh, a lot of Western science. It was based on a lot of traditional diet and yin and yang and, and more philosophical things. So what I've done to kind of uh, validate this in the modern era, you can go to like, and if you ever look up scientific studies, you can go to pubmed.gov. It's a great place to look up any of these supplements because um, while there could always be more research, there's sometimes surprising amounts that is already out there. But if you look at subclinical acidosis, because, you know, acidosis causes death. That's a disease when your body becomes so acidic that it cannot function. Now, that would mean your bloodstream, you know, I believe really that would be like, um, so the, the pH scale is from like zero to 10 and neutral is seven and anything above seven is alkaline. Anything from zero to seven is acidic. When your bloodstream is at a pH and you, you know, this is something that people who are on um, a keto diet may, um, may be aware of because you know, one of the side effects of a keto diet can be ketoacidosis which is, you know, you're, you're purposefully putting your body potentially into an uh, acidic state. And so sometimes folks that are on a, a keto diet will measure their, their own pH with uh, pH strips. They just test the saliva. You know, I, I don't necessarily advocate that. You know, I'm, I'm kind of neutral on the keto diet. I think if that's something people want to do, I've heard folks get great results. But just for the average person, it's not a bad idea, you know, get your hands on some pH strips, test your, your pH of your saliva when you wake up in the morning before you do anything. And uh, there are other ways to measure pH and, and the urine and whatever. But just as a general principle, I have seen so many people that start eating a more alkaline diet, eating more vegetables, green foods, you know, amazing alkalizer, the fulvic minerals, amazingly alkalizing and they just feel better. So you don't necessarily have to be measuring your pH. I think um, supporting alkalinity through general health, but you know, it, it's something I've seen sort of refuted or, or um, challenged online where, oh, this idea that acid alkaline, you know, th this doesn't matter, but it, this is basic chemistry. <laughs> you know, so it's easy to refute that challenge you know, people may not believe in macrobiotics. They may say, oh, you know, it doesn't really make that much difference, but that doesn't make sense because we know that at one end of the spectrum, if your body becomes too acidic, you will die. I mean, the, the end result of, of clinical acidosis is often death, you know, but that's when your pH of your blood is down to like, let's say 6.7. For most people, you know, the range is usually 7.35 to 7.45. But the point there is that even for people who are subclinical, they don't have the disease acidosis. But if their bloodstream is more alkaline, or excuse me, more acidic than it should be, their body is not going to function optimally. You know, when you get outside of that 
uh, normal pH range, enzymes become denatured. And one of the things that happens is, so your bloodstream is, let's say, more acidic than optimal. One, one of the things the body does to try to neutralize and to make the bloodstream more alkaline is it starts leaching minerals from anywhere it can find them. So it starts robbing calcium from your bones. It starts robbing calcium from your teeth. It starts robbing all these other minerals, whatever trace minerals you have out of the tissue into the bloodstream. And then they're excreted because, you know, another thing that's happening is the body's trying to deal with this. You start excreting everything. So it's robbing nutrients from the tissues, from the bones, and you're literally flushing it out. Well, you know, you know, it's kind of proof positive to me. I'm, I'm, I'm big into uh, plants and gardening and things like that. And uh, me and my girlfriend's uh, garden in our living room got a little bit out of control during uh, this lockdown. I think we got a hundred and something plants in our, our tiny little living room. But uh, if one of my plants that, you know, likes a pH of 6.5 to 7, you know, gets out of whack and, and starts going up, it, it pretty much is going to die off right away. So if plants act that way, it wouldn't surprise me that our bodies uh, act in a similar fashion. Well, another great point about that is people say, well, there's this range 7.35 to 7.45. That is the normal range. But the, the pH scale is exponential. So it's not like measuring micrograms of something, right? Where, oh, it's 0.36 instead of 0.45. That, that sounds like a minuscule difference, but it's, it's a logarithm. So every degree of pH, you go up or down, it's, it's really exponential. It's not just by one degree, it's by an exponential degree. So there, there is a huge difference. And um, you're absolutely right. We can see it in plants. And this is a great point. <laughs> you know, I'm picturing all the oxygen you guys are getting, <laughs> all these plants, but humic fulvic minerals, you know, we formulate them for human consumption. They're very safe, very effective. But if you have a house plant that's dying, I recommend that you take our black earth fulvic minerals and add a shot of that to that plant and just leave it and come back in the morning. If you've ever seen a plant just come back to life, it's really, you're like, wow. And uh, that's a plant where people say, well, how does that relate to people? Well, you know, you say what do plants and animals have in common cells and what fulvic minerals do they get into the cells of living things and they bring in nutrients. They bring in, in particular trace minerals, but they can also help to escort um, other nutrients. There's a, a cofactor sort of situation. If you look at um, the fulvic palm that you mentioned, the fulvic pomegranate, these mainstream medical researchers started looking at fulvic acid and pomegranate juice and, you know, looking at that combination and what that could do. And when I found that, you know, it's, it's hard to find food-based nutrition or um, plant-based nutrition research in the, in the medical literature. I mean, it's there, but it's like, I don't know what, 2% or less, you know, of what, what's being published and it's increasing, but you know, they're much more, uh, mainstream medical research is much more focused on drug discovery. So to do that, you need to synthesize a molecule that's never really existed before. Um, so they're not looking for natural stuff because it's not something they can patent. So, you know, if it was pure research and not applied, I bet you'd see a lot more studies on fulvic acid and a lot more studies on things like pomegranate. Because if one researcher says, wow, look at what this can do, 
everyone would jump on that. In this country, they don't because there's no money to be made, you know, not compared to making a patentable drug. And, you know, I think that kind of leads into an interesting point, which is, uh, you know, all, all these uh, products from, uh, you know, from the, the zeolode to the silver to the, the minerals and the fulvic palm, it's, uh, it's a little bit more in-depth than, you know, we often kind of joke about with like pre-workouts. It's like pumps, vascularity, focus, there's a rhino on the front <laughs> and it comes in blueberry flavor. You know, it's like very kind of simple and straightforward. And so with you kind of having a foot in marketing and also being kind of very well informed on a lot of this type of stuff, I guess it, maybe it's part of your goal or how do you kind of bring this knowledge or, or kind of topic in these products to people who aren't necessarily already in the, the, you know, already shopping at the whole food stores or people who aren't really already like kind of diving into and, and kind of researching things for their own health? Like, how do you bring this type of stuff to the mainstream? And is that a goal of the brands that you work with? That's a great point. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, the one thing about our industry is that, you know, on my side of it anyway, the companies we work with, and I don't want to say that fitness companies aren't, but, you know, that they're very focused on Deshay compliance. And, you know, that's the Dietary Supplement Health Education Act, which says you can't make disease claims about nutritional supplements or by the FDA's definition, you're then talking about a drug. A drug is defined as something that treats disease. If that were not the case, you know, we could say a lot of things that we can't really say. And if you're taking the long view, you want to be in compliance with the Food and Drug Administration, right? You're not trying to make a quick buck and get out of this. You want to build a business with longevity. So it's it's kind of like trying to market and to educate to some extent with having one arm tied behind your back <laughs> and sometimes kind of like having both arms tied behind your back. But the thing that I like about that is, you know, there are some things that you really can do. So people talk about Deshay in terms of what you can't say under Deshay and the final ruling of 2000, you can talk about things that are not disease. For example, PMS, not a disease, menopause, not a disease. The reason that they're defined in the legislation or the final ruling as not a disease is because every healthy woman is expected to experience those things. You know, I'll just call out a company we don't work with, Terry Naturally. You know, they're going around, um, they've got this got pain. Have you seen the, you know, they're t the um, selling curcumin for pain. And when you look at it, there's a little asterisk and it says for occasional pain due to muscular strain or, you know, an otherwise healthy people. It's got this little caveat. So I do think that that's probably the way forward for reputable companies is to find ways to talk about the benefits of these products. Some things are unclear. So like with zeolite, it's really great for detoxification. Detoxification is not a disease, but <laughs> it's a fine line, you know, because if you build up a lot of toxins, well, that's, that's going to cause disease. So you also can't, you can't treat disease. You also can't prevent disease. So I think that's the way forward. But, you know, the problem is if you're ever like online advertising or marketing uh, a supplement and you see the comments that people make, if companies are being really strictly Deshay compliant, people ask all these questions because they're not lawyers. You know, they're not trying to be compliant with anything. They're like, what does this do? What is this good for? 
you know? So bodybuilders have a set of keywords they're looking for vascularity. You know, I, I don't know all the, those keywords, but I understand what they're trying to accomplish with um, a more broad segment of the population. You know, if I say this supports the structure and function of your DNA, does that mean anything to them at all? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't think so, you know, and, and the more broad you are, I think sometimes people don't understand legal compliance. They think, you know, if you're underselling it, I think that's being responsible. I think you should always under promise and over deliver just in general, because I don't want to tell you this will cure your condition because it might not. I mean, number one, it's illegal. Number two, it might not be true. So, you know, a, a conscientious educator or marketer is going to say this can support this and this and that. This may support liver health. But for the average person, I think you make a good point that they're looking for more than that. They're looking for you to overpromise. And that's always the balance for us educating in natural health to go, look, you got to do your part too. You know, a good half of this is going to be whether you drink enough water, clean water, whether you eat well, whether you get enough sleep at night, everything you're taking will work 500% better if you do those things. Being in the marketing business, and I just wanted to get your take on this and kind of what we were saying that there's tons of brands out here from supplements to superfoods. What would be your piece of advice for a consumer trying to get their foot in the door with supplements, with superfoods? What would be um, your advice when they're looking to find a brand that's reputable? I, I say, I mean, start with food. <laughs> Look at what you're eating first and foremost. And then um, the, the reputability of companies, you definitely want to look for third-party testing. And, um, you know, I think the health food store in a lot of ways and the supplement store is a great conduit for information like that. In everything, I think going back to the basics, you know, if I'm trying to get on a healthy track, right, I want to get healthier, I'm going to start with the food. You know, got to say that. I mean, I just, you know, and then number two, I'm going to look for supplements that are made by reputable companies. And, you know, I, I go into a store. I'm, I'm kind of old school like that. I think it's important and ask the people behind the counter, you know, hey, I want to take a mushroom supplement. What brand do you trust? In that case, I mean, nine times out of 10, what I'm going to get back, and I don't think it's just because of my connection to the company, but they're going to say, Post defense. I mean, there, there, I'm sure there are other good brands out there, but they're leading you to a good brand. Now, if I ask the opposite question, what's the cheapest mushroom supplement that you have? I'll get a different answer. So I think, you know, things that are commodities, you can sort of price shop on. Um, if you have three brands of vitamin D3, and, and we can assume they're all of equal quality, they're all reputable companies that have been around and they do testing and they're three different prices, then you can sort of price shop within that commodity. But my biggest advice would be don't skimp on quality. There are things to be price conscious about. And, you know, obviously we always got to be price conscious and you're always looking for a good deal. But I think it really makes a difference because, and I'll tell you why I really see this, the companies that we've worked with are, are often vertically integrated. So they're making their own stuff. When you do buy raw materials on the open market, 
there is a wide, wide range of quality available and there's really no way, it's kind of scary for the consumer to necessarily know if you bought that $5 a kilo ginkgo or the good stuff. I mean, it's just not always possible to know. And there is a lot of inferior quality raw material available. We know it's funny. I think Carly, not, not, not to put any brands on blast out there, but I think Carly actually had a, a very similar experience. I think she took uh, ashwagandha, didn't you, from two separate companies? Yes. And you had one from a, a cheaper brand. I think she said it had no effect whatsoever. And then I think her, her mind was blown when she tried one from a, a reputable brand that had uh, better forms of the ashwagandha. So yeah, I think we saw an example here where it can make a world of difference. Yeah, and you know they call it um, one one kind of testing that's perfectly valid in the world of herbs is called organoleptic. It's basically smelling using your organs, smelling, tasting, looking, and and you know because you know what uh, a rosemary bush looks like, you probably know what rosemary tastes like um, to some extent. I mean that's not you know there's scientific testing is above and beyond that, but just to prove your point, I have opened capsules of some of that product that you're talking about, the questionable, what, how do they get ashwagandha for $4 a bottle? I don't get it. <laughs> Open it up and taste it. And I'm like, God, that is not ashwagandha. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but that is not, you know, so that's, and there have been lawsuits where uh, I remember, I think it was the attorney general of New York was going after some big box retail chains for their private label supplements. And they're testing them and finding what's on the label is not in the product. And I think that's the end result of trying to make the cheapest, you know, race to the bottom for the cheapest supplement. I think we've just got to be laser focused on quality and the supplement, you know, the the question I want to ask is, is this the best supplement in this category that, that I can get? Because, you know, what's, what's the, uh, the most expensive product is the one that doesn't work. And you know what, I, I just noticed we're, we're hitting the, the hour marks. So I think a, a good way to kind of circle back, and I, I, we definitely have to have you on some time again. To t- I, I like your kind of approach that supplementation is, is just that and, and real food and taking care of your body is, is kind of the ideal way to go. If somebody wanted to check out, two questions here to, to kind of wrap up. If somebody wanted to check out the food movement products we currently carry, which one would you recommend? And I, I can name them off uh, just so you know the ones that we have. And then also out of everything in the in the food movements catalog, what would you say is a product that we have to bring in that we don't currently have? If if somebody is just looking for a, a general trace mineral with humic and fulvic acid, that's our black earth fulvic. It comes in an eight ounce size. Uh, if you take the minimum serving, which is not how I take it, but <laughs> it would be like a, a 48 day serving. If you took one you know, teaspoon per day, I, I take like a, you know, a shot glass of it at a time, but um, the silver is more for, you know, supporting the immune system. Um, and then the zeolite is, is detoxification. So out of those three, I think the black earth fulvic is kind of the something for everybody sort of product. You know, if you're not, if you have no specific, you know, you're not trying to detox, you're not trying to do anything in particular, except increase your, your broad spectrum mineral supplementation and, you know, get the benefits of fulvic acid, which are myriad, you know, I, I would look at that black earth fulvic as a starting point. Um, then if you realize, you know, you maybe you need to do some detoxification, you have some 
specific reason to do that, maybe something like the the blacker zeolite. And um, if you guys aren't carrying it, you mentioned the alkalized 55. That that is one that I might suggest that if you guys aren't carrying that. That and uh, that and the maca were the two that were were kind of my on my radar that I, I was going to uh, going to suggest to Brad to bring on in here. Yeah, the you know black maca in particular has been really popular with the fitness crowd, with bodybuilders. I think any there really is no bad kind of maca, but we you know the food movement early on we were trying to find these different superfoods. We found you know red maca, black maca, yellow maca. This is what they're growing in Peru, different kinds. And we started importing that and and selling it. And um, there is actually a lot of published research on the differences and different, you know, condition specific uses of these different. uh, So I think the next thing we're going to try to do, and we haven't done this yet, because to me, maca is really a food. It's a superfood, but just you know, traditionally in Peru and, and other places it's eaten as a food, you know, they, they, they don't put it in capsules. They put it in a bowl with a spoon, you know, but the American palate's a little different. <clears throat> so I think <laughs> one of the things we're, we're going to be working on is a, um, is a maca capsule just because, you know, the way I think about food may not be the way 99% of America thinks about food and we want to meet people where they are. So but yeah, to your point, the maca has been really popular just, and you know, people that are working out that are into fitness, they're probably um, no stranger to making smoothies. So the maca powder, even without a capsule, and the reason I got to say this on the maca, the reason that we don't have a capsule yet, and we didn't start with that is because, you know, the benefits traditionally really come from eating larger amounts of it, like eating it as a food. But we have looked at, you know, just trying to meet the market, making more of an extract of maca in a, in a capsule. I think that that's something that we will eventually come out with just because, you know, you got to give the people what they want. Okay, excellent. So yeah, all, all of the uh, food movement products we've discussed today, you can find on our website at Best Price Nutrition. And then Rob, if, if people want to, uh, I, I listen, I really enjoyed the uh, the recent episode of your your podcast, yes, but it, if people want to, oh, go ahead. The one with Lori Murphy, that was so captivating. You got to check out his podcast. <laughs> but yeah, if people want to check out your podcast, your blog, and uh, any other shout outs to social profiles, websites, anything else uh, you want to mention, we'll, we'll drop some links uh, below the podcast and or the YouTube video. But Anything you want, you, you want to tell people before uh, before you head out here? No, that's it. I, I think just um, uh, I really appreciate your time. And um, I, I love talking about this stuff. So anytime, please uh, feel free to give me a call. We'll do it again. And, and um, yeah, you know, I think um, shopping in, a, in a, a reputable supplement store is is really important. So hopefully that's a, another kind of little takeaway from this. Be, you know, rather than just going online, you know, sometimes walking into that store, um, going into a store you trust really makes a difference. Completely agree there. So yeah, thank you very much. We appreciate you coming on. And uh, I've learned a lot more about the brand as well as a lot of these minerals as well. So thank you again so much. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me on.